Hey, welcome to another episode of Clear Light Connections, where we talk to the people behind the businesses of Bay Area Houston, proudly sponsored by UTMB Health. Uh, today's special guest, Lean Nahuli, and you are an audiologist mm-hmm. with UTMB's Audiology and Speech Pathology Center. Did yes. I get that right? Yes. It's oh. now the Center of Audiology and the Center of Speech Pathology, but yes. <laughs> so t- tell us about what you do there. You're an audi- um, audiologist. So I'm an audiologist. I uh, have my doctorate's degree in audiology, and I've been at UTMB for five years. Um, geez, five. So we test anywhere from newborns, two-weekers, all the way. My oldest patient is 103, so going wow. on to 104. <laughs> um, Still hearing so, well? No, oh. <laughs> but she's here. She's, uh, she's with us. She's, yeah. She comes to her appointments, and uh, we check her hearing aids, and she doesn't know what's going on, but that's okay. She can hear. Um, basically, what we do for the little, little itty-bitties, um, everyone, I, th- I believe it was since 2006, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Every child bo- born in the United States has to have a hearing mm-hmm. screening done so that we can make sure that they can hear okay. Um, so a lot of kids don't necessarily pass their birth screening in the hospital before they get discharged. So we get to see them in the outpatient to check their hearing, make sure everything's okay. Um, and if it's not, we get to diagnose, dig further, um, deeper, see where the problem is, why they're not passing, do they have a hearing loss? And if they do, that's when we start our intervention of fitting hearing aids, fitting cochlear implants, depending on the type and degree of hearing loss. Um, We monitor these kiddos as they get older, um, check their hearing aids. They eventually become adults. Um, We check their hearing, kind of keep monitoring. Um, But also a bigger portion of our patient base is the adults who have hearing loss. And age-related hearing loss starts at around 65 and above is when people start to notice it. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen before, but um, people start noticing hearing loss at age 65. So that's when we check their hearing, you know, see what level their hearing loss is, fit them with hearing aids, and then monitor them. So that's just throughout. a natural thing that occurs as we age. Yes. But is it is it somewhat preventable? What what can we as, as people be doing to make sure that we maybe extend that so shelf life? So really the reason they started Better Hearing and Speech Month is to raise awareness to the types of hearing loss that could be preventable um, because there's really no, uh, there's only one type of hearing loss that is preventable, and it is noise-induced hearing loss. Um, about approximately, I believe, one in eight kids in America right now, aged 16 or 6 to 19, um, have noise-induced hearing loss. Um, they have hearing loss because their earbuds are too loud, AirPods are too loud. Unfortunately, here in the South, um, a lot of kids go sh- uh, shooting, hunting without any earplugs, without any earmuffs. So we have noise-induced hearing loss from that, fireworks, concerts, things like that. That is the only type of hearing loss that is preventable because it's simple. Just plug, plug your ears, muff. <laughs> so, how how what would be the frequency of like a concert goer? At, at what point does it start to affect somebody? So, the way I like to think of noise exposure is dosage. So, the louder the noise, the more the dosage of um, noise you're being exposed to, the less amount of time you're able to be in that environment without causing. Um, permanent hearing loss. The uh, rule of thumb, 85 decibels. So decibels is the unit of volume. That's how we measure um, volume. There's a ton of apps on your phone that can measure that. But the golden rule is 85 decibels is safe for you to listen to for eight hours. Okay. 
you know, if you go up to 105 decibels, you probably can only listen to that for 30 minutes or so. Um, anything above 120 decibels um, causes an immediate um, hearing loss, and it's non-reversible. So, so to put that in some kind of context, what, what would 85 sound like? What, what, what would that normally so, be? So a typical classroom, um, okay. a quiet environment, you know, where we are right now, probably 55, 60 decibels. Okay. Um, 85 decibels would be like a... Uh, a pretty loud sound kind of uh, when you're listening to music and you're kind of still hearing things around you but not quite that's around 85 um, 120 would be a jet uh, a jet blast okay. uh, going next to you most concerts the Astros games things like that they try to get the people to go above 100 decibels that's pretty loud yeah. <laughs> I'm not too happy when we see that but it does you know hype people up yeah um, but 85 for eight hours is kind of the golden the golden rule and anything above that we should either limit the time or if you have to be exposed to that um, a lot of workers are exposed to that just plug um, put some earplugs put some earmuffs to just soften that dosage a little bit so mm -hmm. that you can be exposed to that sound for longer um, another good rule of thumb is you know, for kids who are um, uh, uh, the AirPods, Bluetooth mm -hmm. headsets or whatever, if they're in your ear and the other person can hear them, that's too, too loud. loud. <laughs> if I have to tell my kids that all the time. <laughs> yes. I don't want to hear any music. Yes. <laughs> if they're in your ears and as, as a per person using them and you cannot hear the other person standing in front of you talking to you, that is too loud. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a good indication of when it's too loud or not. Android, um, most phones now, they monitor how much the output of the uh, AirPods are or the earbuds or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you can kind of limit it at 85 so you can be at a safe dosage for, for noise. So that's something we can prevent. What, what about yes. the things we can't prevent? What, what are the, the most common things that you see in that area? So the, the other most common type of hearing loss is the sensory neural hearing loss, which is a more of a hearing loss that is related to the nerves. Um, it's more of a you know age-related hearing loss, which not to say that kids can't have that, but that would be genetic. Um, but the most common things we see as people grow older is the noise, uh, the, the sensory neural hearing loss which is the, uh, uh, I don't want to say degradation of the nerve, but um, the hair cells that are inside the cochlea stop sending the signal to the nerve effectively. So the nerve is not firing effectively. Um, you know, that's where we start to see some of the degradation. Now, hearing aids could help, you know, and they could amplify that sound. They can get that signal to the nerve, um, you know, better. But at some point, the hearing aids no longer work because that degradation is just too much, um, and that's when cochlear implants come in. Yeah, t t tell me about cochlear implants because, I mean, obviously that's the next level. That's of, the next. How, how do they work? Yeah. So the way I like to explain it to my patients when they come in, because a lot of times they put in hearing aids, they're absolutely greatly programmed, they can hear, you know, they, they always tell me, I can hear, I just can't understand. Unfortunately, we cannot do anything for understanding. Um, the degradation of the word recognition is not something that we can fix with the hearing aid because it's a little bit more related to the nerve. So what we want to try to do is to force that nerve to fire, to send electrical signals to the brain appropriately. The hearing aids can only do so much. What the cochlear implant does it's a little, it's an implant, but it goes into the cochlea and it kind of goes to the nerve and uh, sends those electrical impulses to the nerve to say, hey, 
fire altogether, not, you know, not uh, degrading the signal, just fire altogether. And it just sends a clearer signal to the brain. It is a different kind of hearing. When we're hearing through the hearing aid, we're still trying to use our normal stirrup, anvil, the bones, mm -hmm. all of that. We're still trying to listen acoustically. Whereas when we're doing a cochlear implant, we are sending electrical impulses to the brain, literally. So it's just a different way of hearing. It's an electrical hearing. So how, the, how do patients describe that? Usually like Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they'll learn um, how to, our brains are so plastic that you'll start to learn that that Donald Duck talking down there, that's what a new S sounds like. Yeah. You know, I remember um, I had a patient who just kept hearing a sound that did not know what it was, ended up being a, a lady walking down the hall with heels. So they heard it, they okay. just weren't able to, to process, process what, what that what yeah. that was, because it just sounded like an electrical sound. Um, so cochlear implants are good, but they have a long road of rehab because it's a, it's a whole new way of listening. It's a whole new way of learning how to listen. So if I say right now, Sally sells seashells on the seashore, that might not sound the same for a cochlear implant yeah. user. It might sound very different because a lot of the S's, a lot of the high frequency, um, they'll just have to learn what an S sounds like, what an M sounds like, what an I sounds like. It's just a whole new way of listening, basically. So I, I've noticed over the years that hearing aids have gotten so much smaller, mm -hmm. better, you know, the stigma's gone away from that because you can barely even notice now mm -hmm. if somebody, but the cochlear implant, it still has kind of, it's still very obvious, right? Yes. So the implant itself is inside, inside the skull, because um, that's where the cochlea is. It's inside the skull. But in order to get the sound to the implant, you're going to have to have an outside processor that picks up the sound. Okay. And then the processor picks up the sound and has to send it to the implant somehow. Right. And that's where that magnet comes in. Okay. So the processor is on the outside. It has a little magnet. The processor, the microphones on the processor picks up the sounds, send it to the magnet. The magnet picks it up, sends it to the internal magnet. The internal magnet sends it to all of the little metal, metal probes on the implant. And that's how that electrical signal, according to the frequency and modulation and sound and yeah. whatever, that's gets fascinating. sent to the nerve. So, so what if what if I notice somebody has a cochlear implant? What what can I do if I'm speaking with them to to kind of help and, and be more you know conducive yes. to, to understanding? So um, the fact that they have a cochlear implant, the fact that they have a hearing aid, does not necessarily mean that we just should we know that they're hearing perfectly fine. You still have to use a lot of context clues. Um, so a lot of times when people, when you account, encounter someone with hearing loss with a hearing device, make sure you get their attention first, especially if you're in a crowded environment, if there's a lot of competing sounds, uh, make sure you get their attention, say their name, tap them on the shoulder, do a little wave, um, speak clearly, enunciate. I know a lot of people eat their words, want to just mm -hmm. get, get the sentence out. Uh, make sure you're speaking clearly, make sure you're saying all of the letters you are trying to say um, and if they didn't understand something it doesn't help if you just say it louder right because if you did, they didn't get it the first time they're probably not gonna get it the second time it's something with distortion not hearing so in order of and instead of just um, yelling it or saying it louder or whatever causing frustration and embarrassment just re rephrase you know I heard you talking about 
so-and-so, sorry, I missed that part. Repeat what you did here and then just have them fill in, um, you know, fill in the gaps, basically. Yeah. Well, it's interesting what you said because there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Yes. My hearing's fine, but my wife says I don't listen. You know, men have selective hearing and we can't help with that. <laughs> there's no cure. There's oh. no cure to that. I can help it. you hear. I cannot help you listen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into this? What, what got you interested in audiology as a um, field? It's really a funny story. I, I'm from Lebanon originally and um, audiology, gee, I graduated in 2013. Um, audiology was in its infancy over there. Um, it wasn't quite its own um, degree. It was just kind of part of sciences, part of physics, part mm -hmm. of uh, uh, medicine. But they kind of wanted to make it into its own field because it, it is important. There's a lot of, uh, you know, patients that just don't know where to go when they have a hearing issue. So my advisor was like, do you want to come back and become a faculty member and like, you know, take this program up, uh, up and running? And I said, sure, what do I need to do? And he's like, can you take a, can you go to the U.S. and get a doctorate? So I'm like, sure, I guess. So I applied and I got in. <laughs> and you're still here. I'm still here. So what do you like about UTMB? I've I've heard you know just great things about the culture. Yeah. So um, it, it is the culture. Um, kind of the biggest thing we do like about our our program is the coworkers. Um, we get to work with our friends every day. Um, but it's also our patients, our patient base, especially now that we're expanding to kind of the southern Houston area. Mm -hmm. um, we're able to see a lot, a lot more patients. Um, we're able to serve a lot more of the area, um, and to just kind of keep them within our within our system because we do we do provide the gold standard care. You know, our guidelines are based off of you know research and all of that, and we're always looking to make our guidelines better. Are we? Uh, you know, do we need to update any protocols? Are we are we good? Are we you know you know is there anything that has changed? Things like that. So um, we do enjoy working with our patients. Yeah, and and you said it, it it's speech and hearing awareness mm -hmm. and really I, people take hearing for granted, mm -hmm. but it's it's a very complex thing and it's so easy to damage it that you you really have to pay attention to it. Yes, definitely, definitely, and that's why we are raising awareness really for Better Hearing and Speech Month because. You take it for granted, and there, at least for one type of hearing loss, there is something we can do to stop it. Yeah. Um, there might be another one, you know, with Q-tips. <laughs> um, if you push the wax deep enough in your ear, and if you just impact that wax, you're just going to make an earplug, and you're going to have hearing loss. And if you take the earplug out, your hearing, you know, is uh, comes back. But does a Q-tip necessarily cause hearing loss in itself? No. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I can't get out of the shower without yeah. using it. If, if I do, if I don't, I just feel like there's water yeah. in there and it drives yeah. me crazy. I mean, we see some uh, wax impaction from Q-tips. Is it like 90% of the patients? No, it's probably, I would say, 10%. Um, it's like, do we have to tell patients don't use a Q-tip, but we all do. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, you know, hearing is... It, I, I once read, and I, I can't remember where I read it, but they basically asked people, would you rather lose your hearing or your sight? And, mm -hmm. and once people think about it, overwhelmingly, they always said, my sight. That's how important mm -hmm. hearing is to us. Yes. It's, it's the 
number one way we communicate with each other in the world out there at large. Yet we still see a lot of adults who are resistant to hearing aids because they make them quote unquote look old. Um, And I usually tell them, you being in a a crowded environment and saying what all the time makes you look a little bit older than just having hearing aids. (laughs) Because like you said, the hearing aids are now sleek, they're slim. It's it's not the hearing aids making you look old, it's you you being old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure they can handle that level of honesty. I don't know. I usually don't try to use the word old. I usually say age-related, you know, as we're getting a little bit more advanced in age because people don't really like the word old. <laughs> but so you're saying 65 is when it usually starts. So in, in our in our mid-60s, we should really be paying close attention, mm-hmm. probably getting tested at least, you know, once a year or so. Yeah, that would be kind of a good, if you want to get a baseline to make sure, you know, your hearing is normal and then mm-hmm. start testing. But signs to look for is, you know, a lot of times people come in, I can hear, but I can't understand. Um, that's kind of tells us because when we're looking at hearing, it's not like vision. I can see or I can't see. Mm-hmm. I can see clearly or I can see blurry. It's not like that. When we're testing someone's hearing, we're testing the low pitches, we're testing the mid pitches, we're testing the high pitches, so bass, treble, things like that. Um, a lot of times the bass people hear really, really well um, because if you think of your cochlea, it's like a snail, right? The bass pitches are housed inside of the cochlea all the way at the, at the very uh, inside, so they're kind of protected. And then we start losing the, the, the ones on the edge of the tail of that, co- of that snail. Um, the high pitches are on the tail. We start losing a little bit of a high pitches, and then it goes to the center. So a lot of times people have what we call a high-pitched, um, high-frequency hearing loss. So their low pitches, they can hear them just fine. The high pitches, they can't. So what does that mean? The low pitches is what gives your brain the sensation of how loud someone is or how loud something is. And the high pitches is what gives your brain the sensation of how clear something is. So when you hear but you don't understand, you probably have a high frequency hearing loss because you heard someone talk, you just weren't sure did they say bat, hat, cat, or at. You heard the vowel because the vowel is the low pitch, Mm -hmm. but that consonant, the high pitch that's responsible for clarity is what you missed. So that's where a lot of people say, I can hear, but I don't understand. It's like, okay, well, maybe you have a high frequency hearing loss. Maybe you have some sort of hearing loss that doesn't necessarily mean like you just lost all of your hearing. It just means you're starting to lose hearing at some areas, but not everywhere. And you can adjust the hearing aids to Mm -hmm. help pick those up better and and, and really get specific on what it is you're trying to to help with. Yes, and a lot of times, like just this morning, I had a patient come in that has a high frequency hearing loss, but the hearing aids aren't going to do much yet because it's just at the very highest pitches. We're not really, uh, you know, the hearing aids are just going to maybe provide a little bit of benefit. It's not necessarily going to be, oh my gosh, the difference between night and day. So we just monitor. Now, if you come in and you say, I am struggling to hear, um, but you only have a mild um, hearing loss, you can try an over-the-counter device. Um, Right now, the FDA approved them to be used over-the-counter. I believe there's a few that are available over-the-counter. I believe Sony has one. Um, Other brands, too, I'm not really sure. Hearing aids are pricey. You know, they're thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. whereas that over-the-counter device could be found at a thousand or below. But those are only made for mild to moderate hearing losses. So the way we classify a hearing loss, if you have a loss, you know, up to whatever decibels, that's a mild. The more you have hearing loss, it's a moderate. The more you have hearing loss, it's a moderately severe, severe, profound. So to start off, if you know, feel like uh, 
starting to have a little bit of difficulty hearing, starting to want to have a little bit more extra help, we can start off with an over-the-counter device that are now available um, at the pharmacies and then go on to a hearing aid once we actually need it. So, okay. so there's there's options available. Yeah. Kind yeah. of work your way into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what is it you want to tell people? It's it's what what's the one two things that you want to tell people that how they can protect their hearing and and why it's so important so um daily we, we live in a noisy world um you don't realize what is noise um lawn mowers leaf blowers uh, blenders hair dryers that's all noise so just watch what you're around a very important thing is during holiday season watch how loud those toys are especially when they're around little kids who are crawlers um, and the toy is right by their ear just monitor how loud that toy is um, so that you don't want to damage you know the hearing if you are in a noisy, a noisy environment just make sure you have earplugs um, if you are hunting shooting make sure you have earplugs and earmuffs because mm-hmm. that is pretty loud the foam earplugs aren't going to be enough because really the most important thing I would love to see everyone, <laughs> you know, for for hearing loss, um, but I don't want to see the noise-related hearing losses. Those are things that can be prevented, yeah. and I would love to have more patients come to my clinic, but the noise-induced hearing losses I don't want to see in my clinic. I want to see the age-related, and I want to see the genetic um, ones. I don't want to see the ones that can be prevented. It just it's, it's it breaks my heart to see so them. So y- you had mentioned earlier about uh, mandatory testing for the babies. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the sooner you catch some of these things, the better the outcomes will be. Yes. Yeah, so they just um, updated the um, guidelines for testing children. We used to do a one three six rule. Now it's a one two three. Basically, um, screen by age one month, um, diagnose by age two months, and start early intervention by age three months. Um, it used to be one three six, meaning diagnose at one month, um, sc- uh, s- uh, screen at one month, diagnose at, diagnose at three, and intervene at six but that intervention they cut it down to three months because they just realized the importance of early intervention um, with kind of get getting that child to catch up with their peers to be uh, mainstreamed uh, as early as possible yeah and I don't think people realize how common it is because I know at Clear Creek ISD they have uh, a school for the uh, mm-hmm. the the deaf and hearing mm-hmm. impaired and yeah I guess you know, that feeds into what you guys are doing. Yeah, so by law, um, all public schools at least should provide um, appropriate accommodation for kids with hearing loss. Uh, Accommodation just means, you know, like we talked about earlier, the fact that you have a hearing aid does not necessarily mean that this is the end of all of the solution, you know, Mm -hmm. to all the problems. So what happens, what ends up happening in school is that the the teacher wears a microphone that is connected to the child's hearing aid. Okay. So even if the child is sitting at the back of the classroom, he's still hearing his teacher as if it's right in his ear because that microphone is connected to the hearing aids um, they get they may get access to uh, notes earlier you know as they get older um, they may get um, special accommodation to sit up front um, things like that so it is very important for us as audiologists who work with pediatric patients to really uh, have a close contact with the schools mm-hmm. to see are they getting the services they needed um, are they wearing their hearing aids? You know, are they getting everything they need? Does the school know that they have a hearing aid? Because a lot of times they don't know. You know, yeah. if, if the if the school audiologist doesn't know that this kid is in their school district, they don't know about them. So it's really important for us to collaborate with them to say, hey, we have this child that we just diagnosed with hearing loss. Please take it um, from the school because... Um, 
even if the kid is doing perfect in school and they're on par with their peers and everything, they still need to be on that 504 plan just mm -hmm. in case they need special help that they would have that. Well, I appreciate your time, and, and yeah. I, you know, I, you can't tell the audience enough, you know, take care of that hearing, because it, it's hearing. literally I, the, the, the one thing you wouldn't want taken away yes. from you, because it, yes. it probably makes your world yes. uh, really shrink and, yes. and takes away really what, you know, makes, makes mm -hmm, us human. Mm -hmm. And hearing aids don't make you look old. They make you look hip now. <laughs> They're fun. They connect to your phone. They're rechargeable. You can stream music. It's really cool. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks again for yes, joining us. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it.